Hello and welcome to this week's episode of I Think I'm Human 2. We have a very special guest with us today, Sheila, Sheila. If you guys listen to, Sheila's my mom, obviously, if you're new here, welcome, one. Um, Welcome. But Sheila's been on before, we have chats with her. (laughs) And last week's episode, I talked about addiction and watching it unfold within the household. Um, Did you listen to the full episode? It's okay if you didn't. I listened to about a half of it. Okay. So just if it was just kind of the storyline of what had happened, there was just little bits and pieces of like, obviously watching it unfold. Why I wanted you on for part two is one, because you were already here and I thought it would be a good, different perspective. Okay. Um, Because one, I was the child in the situation. So what the fuck do I know? And then you were obviously the parent. And I feel like a lot of times addicts, when people look at addicts, they go, well, what, what were the parents doing? <laughs> you know? And I feel like that's, um, obviously every addiction is situational, whatever got them started. It could have been somebody with an amazing life who just so happened to have gone to a party and decided to touch something for the first time. And they have a very amazing supportive parents at home. Like every situation is different. It doesn't mean that they had a shitty home life. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk from that perspective of a parent and yeah, so there's a couple people that have asked questions that we'll go over, but okay. give me, okay. So give me your storyline. I had shared my storyline of what had happened, but I'm sure again, I was a kid. So there's a lot that's like missing or like give your storyline of what had happened without using names. Uh, Explain her and your relationship <clears throat> and then how it kind of formed. Okay. Her addiction. Um, I had two uh, stepchildren who were each seven years older than both of my children. Um, Their father had custody of both of them, um, different mothers. Uh, So I was uh, the third mother figure in their lives, uh, along with their grandmother. Um, And it, the first probably 10 years was... Oh, I won't even go that far. Probably the first six years was really good. Uh, up until about age 13, 14. Um, oh, so it started earlier with her than I remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it did. What? So was it drug-based or just ad- like bad attitude, bad ad- choices? Like what was stemming in her life? Uh, the biological mother uh, did not want to have a whole lot to do with her. Um, she started to realize she started to realize, um, she was very jealous of you and took a lot out on you and your older brother. Um, and me would always call you the princess, um, because she felt that you were, you were, um, luckier, um, because you had me, um, her biological mother put her in some very bad situations. One being, um, the biological mother was dating a rapist. Oh, who had 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 been in prison. And um, while the mother was in a relationship with this man, he reoffended. Um, and the stepdaughter had been alone with him in his van uh, to and from. She has never spoken to me about it, but something changed on that trip. I have my suppositions, but it was after that that we started to recognize that bio mom didn't 
care at all about her safety, about her and, safety and well-being. It was bio mom has her own issues and I am not knocking those in any way, yeah. shape or form. Everybody's got something they're working on. Mm-hmm. Some people are meant to be moms. Others aren't. Yeah. Um, the addiction we didn't realize was really an addiction um, until later on. Um, things started with Roxy's was what they were called. I don't know if you remember the clothing brand Roxy. Everybody yeah. was wearing yeah. Roxy at that time. I have been seeing Seed Symbiotic DS01 everywhere. And I figured it was time to try it out because you guys know I love anything and everything gut health. Gut health does not just affect your digestive system. I don't understand. I don't think people understand how much it affects like your overall health and not only that, but like your skin, your readiness for the day. I just love when my gut is in line, I'm in line. When I'm in line, life is in line. So Seed is sharing a code with Human 2 listeners and I'm super excited for you guys to try them out. You are going to get 25% off to see if you like them just as much as I do. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 daily symbiotic go to seed.com slash human two that's all one word and use code 25 human two to get 25 percent off your first month so that's two five human two all one word that's 25 percent off your first month of seeds ds01 daily symbiotic at seed.com slash human two with code 25 human two so it was, but it was oxycodone right i believe it was if i remember correctly. or they used to call it oxycotton uh, they're I'm not a pharmacist, um, but there's oxycotton and there's oxycodone. Um, I remember oxy being a very popular name back in the day. But that's where Roxy came from. Okay. So it was what I, what they explained to me. Okay. What was the storyline that had happened? Because she was injured, right? And that was where it started? Her car accident? I honestly don't remember a, a, an actual physical start point. Okay. Um, I know that, um, you know, there was other situations in the family where, uh, um, others were, uh, gardening on a consistent level. Um, so that was always around. Okay. Um, gardening, if you're not aware, it's the new term for like smoking weed. Um, it's just, it's the social media's new way of being able to say, I smoke weed without it getting filtered online. So the new word is like gardening. gardening. And or I say California sober because I don't really choose any I don't drink alcohol anymore. So just if you're listening and you're confused about what the phrase gardening is and I back in the day like weed. um, So she's referring to somebody else. So like my older stepbrother loved weed and smoked weed. But back in the day it was like it was weed was like a big massive drug like weed was still just bad like horrible like you were terrified of weed like it was very illegal. Um, So I remember growing up being scared of weed too because it was very. Um, it was a drug. It was scary. It was something that could lock you up, you know? So it was, it was just as scary. And my mom was just as terrified of weed. Now we've gotten over that. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're not a fan of weed, that's okay. But, um, we still love you. I uh, we still love you. Hopefully you can respect our decisions too. Please. I'm not as scared of weed anymore. Uh, but I also, I get my gummies through the government. So I feel like why would they drug like why would they lace yeah. us? I yeah. don't buy it from like people on the street. Anyways, I wanted to give that because I know a lot of people in my comment section are like, what is what do you mean gardener? Oh, okay. Um, but okay, so go ahead. You can call it that from the future. Okay. So gardening was always gardening was, going was on. always going on. As a matter of fact, I think the bigger issue uh with us trying to uh drive you guys away from gardening was so that you didn't take any of stepdad's stash. Oh. <laughs> 
And I didn't even know my stepdad smoked weed until I never knew that. Ever, 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 ever. Wake and bake all day long. What's so funny to me looking back is like the, what is the word projection? Like the, we were so ridiculed to walk this fine fucking line. And now I look back and I'm like, you mother lovers, all you guys, which again, and I said in my previous episode, I'm thankful for as a kid, I was very resentful because I just, as a kid, you don't understand. Like, why am I so suffocated really and um because I wanted better for yeah, you yeah and I get it now plain and, again, and simple looking back now don't do I'm as like, I do as I say not as yes. I do but as a child you don't understand that and now looking back I think I'm like, that's I'm antiquated thankful. thinking as well yeah okay so smoking weed was always happening in smoking the house. weed was always happening in the house they it ended up where it, about 15 years old I think was 14 15 was where drugs came into it and um they were uh, crushing Ritalin and snorting them um they not they, the Riddies. they were yep um they would try just about anything um it um Molly's was one that was consumed um I learned an awful lot that I have since voluntarily forgotten to be honest with you what did okay so how did you even figure that out it well it progressed I will say my mom is one nosy motherfucker so FBI ain't got nothing on yeah, this mama bear. I will say you, you find anything and everything out. You were that mom that never turned a blind eye. You were like, oh, I went out and made my own MySpace account so I could track them. <laughs> she would, she was a snooper. She oh, would yeah. like go through. I remember one time I came home in high school. Mind you, my mother bought me a bed that had like storage in it, drawers. And I got a text message. What is this? What was it? Like a weed bud? I don't remember. It was it was a, it was weed and she thought it was mine and I was like I don't even know what the fuck that is. Well, like but okay, so let's back up just a little bit because the timeline was they started they started experimenting with these pills, with these prescription pills. Mind you, this is early 2000s. early 2000s. So it was just pain pain pills and pain meds were just being given out like candy. Given out where? Like in uh, well, doctors? At doctor's offices. You could go to a doctor's office in Pinellas County and not even be seen. And you would go in and they would write a prescription for you and you'd walk out the door. They were closing those things down in, in this time frame. Um, it was just not good. Um, Florida's always been kind of the place to, you know, do some sketchy shit. And yeah. the law kind of is like, mm, maybe, okay. But it, it ended the up where they, they came, they, they cracked down on it. And she had been experimenting um, to the point where she started to go downhill. Um, we realized, I realized it as we were sitting out on the back porch just having a conversation. And she would just literally um, zone out. She, you'd catch her, she'd be sitting with her head tossed back and just almost drooling yeah um and so we recognized that she was taking pills at this point um she got in with a f- with a few okay so when you were realizing this what was your guys's thought like when you got as parents like what I thought what the hell am I gonna do and how am I gonna protect her and how am I gonna make her better how am I going to help her how am I going to 
be the mother figure and allow this to happen not on my watch yeah. no what were your guys's conversations like because you had to tell him right her dad he slash my stepdad at the time he, he denied everything okay so he um, was in denial he was in denial um he he had a softer spot for you girls than he did for the boys he was very hard on the boys but the girls generally could do just about anything they wanted not true well, she could and it got to the point where he very much just turned that blind eye didn't care didn't want to care um as long as she was home he was okay uh it eventually got to the point where um she was shooting heroin what timeline is this how how old do you think she was at this point she was she went down the hill fairly quickly and i want to say she was 18 no she had to been older than 18 Mm -mm. i don't think so really yeah because you were 11 11 heroin at 18 when we How were in the second that? when we were in the second let's just say that she um okay so found her ways okay um a lot of theft um, yes a lot of theft um she was actually arrested for um a check scam okay. at one point um if you guys have listened to part one i kind of explained a lot of like stuff would go missing um pawn shops yeah. arrests Sorry. That's okay. It, 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 she bounced from person to person, a place to place. She would, if we didn't, she, if she didn't like what we had said or set down rules for in the house, she would go spend and move in, spend time with girlfriends who were in the same arena, um, and would actually end up moving in with guys. Um, playing house is the best way that I can describe it. Um, there's no judgment there. She just would go and make herself the person to, yeah. And, uh, she never really had a solid good guy, right? No, no, I, not that I remember. I think she had one, um, but there was some sketchy people coming around the house. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we left when you were 15, 16, you were 16 because you were driving. Yeah. Yeah. So she would have been. No, we, I was just turned 17. Well, when okay. we moved out. Okay. So when, when we recognized that it was heroin, um, she went into your bedroom and her father walked in on her rigged up, ready to shoot up. Mm. And. Was I in the house at this time? You were living in the house at this time. Yes. But oh. you were not home. Okay. Um, dad just t- closed the door and walked away and told her to come see him when she was done. And I flipped my shit, uh, because the, the nosiness was because she got very good at hiding, um, pills around the house. She got very good at hiding, um, bottles, um, syringes, she would have kits made up that Mm -hmm. she would leave around and she'd hide them in your things. Mm -hmm. So nobody was safe in that house when Mm -hmm. it came to me trying to find it. Um, yeah, it, it it was rough. Um, and when I recognized that he was okay with her doing this, do you know why? Like, was it, he he was an addict. 
he had actually spent time in prison. Um, really? Yes. He what? he actually had a friend tea. of his from Europe who would ship him. Um, I he would ship him drugs in cassette tapes. But he was younger. Okay, so he would get cassette tapes shipped from Europe with yep. stuff in them. With stuff in them, yes, and with hash in them. Okay, and he How would old actually. Was he? He, she was probably a year or two old. Okay, so. He was in his 20s at this point. So now we're talking about my stepdad, stepdad. her ex-husband. Right. So he actually... So he had that... that He had a very bad cocaine habit okay. that he would inject in the early 80s. You guys... Human 2 listeners do have a link for Element. If you guys have not heard about Element, I've shared them with you guys before on here. But if you are new here, welcome. And I'm so excited to be sharing this with you. So those little hydration packs, they have been everywhere. If you've been seeing them the last few years, but Element is my favorite because the sample pack that I originally got from them probably a few months ago is what really turned me on to their brand. Every single flavor in there was delicious. And that's what I really like because those hydration packets sometimes can be really hard to, they just don't taste good. So why you want to drink them? But Element, I have loved every single flavor. And not only that, they have really truly helped with hydration. I've had a couple conversations with some friends and they have even said like, I have noticed my hydration levels have gone way up. I feel more hydrated. I drink them in the mornings just to get that hydration in me, get the electrolytes and just get good, just get feeling good about my day. Element did give us a link for human two listeners. If you wanted to try it out, you are going to get a free sample pack. This comes with one packet of each flavor. So you can test them out and then you can go online later. If you want to buy a pack of each specific color if you want to buy a bigger sample pack you can do whatever but human two listeners do have a free sample pack that's waiting for you so the link is drink element but element is spelled l-m-n-t so that's drink l-m-n-t.com slash human two the element sample pack includes one packet wants to refer a friend so shoot that link over to a friend, a family member that's in the market for trying new hydration packets or for yourself. Happy hydration. Okay. So he understood it. That's he, oh, where he totally he got understood that mindset it. of like, yeah. not necessarily turning a blind eye, but having an understanding eye. His mother was very hard on him and sent him to a boys camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and he resented her for it. He did not want to be resented by his daughter. So it was okay for her to do what she chose to do. See, and now like hearing that, not that it gives an excuse, but it gives an understanding of like, it sucks that we were in that position and having to deal with that. But you do look and you're like, damn, I get, I, I can understand more now. And it sucks. That sucks. That's probably something hard that like, he put a lot of other people through some bullshit that he didn't need to, but because he didn't want to deal with his own traumas, which then instilled like she didn't deal with her. And I really do believe like somebody's got to break the trauma somewhere. So it's like, if you don't deal with it, your kid's going to deal with it. If they don't deal with it, their kids are going to deal with it somewhere along the line. Somebody's got to break it, break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is sad. Okay. So that obviously, because I remember it led to a lot of issues between the two of you guys. That was a lot. One of the biggest issues was her mm-hmm. addiction 
in the household with your kids, with you in it. And then him just mm-hmm. clearly just saying, oh, well. Mm-hmm. So what, okay. What was it like when she was in her jail phase? Like, <laughs> what was that like? One as a parent scene, cause you, I will say like my mom has always been the mom. You always open the house for anybody and everybody. You were such a good person to, what's the right word? Like, everybody has good no but you were you were a good mom in the sense of like you were a mom first you weren't a friend but you were also everyone's safe space Mm -hmm. so like friends could come in and if they acted up you would still call them out you would call them on their bullshit you would Mm -hmm. say like no 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 we're not like we don't do that we don't do that but also I'm still a safe space for you and I think that's something that's such a good character trait that you still have to this day not even as a mom but as a friend like people can come to you and you'll still be like here's where you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Here's this, this, and this, but I love you. And please don't stop sharing this with me. Like I'll still be there for you. Um, so with our step siblings, you were like that as well. You were a very good mom to them. But so meaning like when, when my stepsister and my stepbrother were going through tough times, this affected you because you were their mom, even though they weren't your blood, like you were their mom. We had them all the time. Yeah. Their moms saw them very rarely. Um, and when they did, it was, it was bad but even but what i'm saying is like i'm trying to give them the understanding because even with or without them even if you guys have 50 percent of the time you still loved them so Absolutely. much like they came from they, your own cooch they were my they were my children yeah so what was it like going through the jail phase and like watching jail her phase was very hard um because you would have to schedule meetings um and and do video visitation um you guys went a few times mm-hmm. um i would try to see her at least four times a week, um, as often as I could get on the schedule, you know, we put money in commissary, we put money on the phone and it, it, jail's not a fun place, but when you get in there, there's a subculture Mm -hmm. and mind you, I've never been to jail. I'm just going off of what I, what I learned watching her was that there was a subculture and you get almost like a family unit in there in and you do for each other and there was a lot of women and men who would come to the house after she'd get out of jail mm-hmm. um because it, it was almost like a family reunion um I remember one time she had she quote unquote got married in jail and when her wife got out th- you were in the top bunk they were in the bottom bunk I remember this and you woke up to them having sex and it just it floored me I I couldn't I could not understand how this was going on in my house to this day this uh, the fact that that got brought up is so funny to me I still to this day will have like flashbacks to that because that like fucked me up so bad because I was like such a young critical stage where like I didn't know that like girls did that you know like I just never thought that and that's not what I'm not is not at all what I was concerned about no, having no, no, come no. in my house. No, no, it no. was the disrespect in front of yes, you. But from this perspective now, like it, it opened up so much yeah. in my eyes at that time where I was like, I didn't even know girls could do that. Like I was just like, Oh my God. And then I hear it. Like I still hear it in my, and I'm like, Ugh. like, and again, it has nothing to do with the girl on girl. It has everything it, to do with being so young and like, and it's your like, big sister. Not only that, but like the Drake video. So like, I'm such a prude in real life. Like I'm actually very, like I can talk about sex and I can do all that. Like, that's fine. Like that's not uncomfortable. 
but I'm a prude. Like I've never watched porn. Like I've never gone on and like done any of that. Like I've just never been that type. And so Drake, did you see the Drake video that Mm -mm. got released? No. So someone was like, yeah, like his whole wiener's out. And I was like, yeah, right. And like the video was like, it's his whole, and like Raphael and I are standing right next to each other, like watching. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like so violated. I think that's the right word. Like I feel violated because I didn't feel like I had that choice in life back in the day of like, I didn't have that choice to be like, can I not be in this room? Like, cause I would have been like, I will happily go sleep on the fucking couch. Like, because it's just like, that's your own. I don't know. That was just like my own internal. I'm like, ew. It brought an element to the house. That was the first large item that I can remember being disrespected about, you know, I did not ever because the kids were, the kids were seven years older than you. Yes, you did. Oh, I didn't um, you the kids were seven years older than you and so they were adults before you I, I tried to have grace with the fact that they were adults they had their own things going on I get it you, you have a boyfriend you have a girlfriend you're gonna have sex at some point just please don't do it in my house with the younger siblings able to walk in on you in or the be room. around or in the room and that was so that was very eye-opening for me yeah um the fact that this was happening um and then it was about that time that I started to recognize the things going missing the jewelry um the wedding rings I did hear you talk about that and it brought tears to my eyes because it still burns I that is one of the things that I don't know that I will ever get over is having those rings stolen and she knew what those rings were and what they meant um and told me, yeah, I did it. Fuck you. I, I was high. I needed more. I didn't have the money. So, and that just, that that burned. Um, it was around that time that she, I, I, and I don't have exact timelines. All I know is the large items that keep coming back in my memory, her being put on house arrest and everybody partying at our house because she was on house arrest. Hey, like, oh. And it's funny because there's so much that I don't remember. I feel like my subconscious just turned so much of it off. I blacked so much out. I, I will be honest that you talking about it and, and me watching the half of, of an episode, I, I, had to, I had to take time to process it, and I still haven't gone back to look at Sorry. it. No, it's you need to talk about this. But we also need to recognize that addiction is not just drugs. It could be shopping. It could be gambling. It could be drinking. Addiction is addiction. And it's it's a beast that a lot of people deal with. And we really should talk about it more. Yeah. Um, I do remember um, her being in the house. um, And there was a warrant out for her arrest, I believe. Or they wanted to question her and her boyfriend and they were at the house and the cops showed up at the door and I had to deal with that. Um, There was a point in time where your stepfather um, moved out for other reasons (laughs) and left me at the house with the four kids and his mother. And there were people coming in and out of the house like the front door would be left unlocked. And I remember that. People would walk in in the middle of the night, three in the morning, and you've got somebody knocking on your bedroom door going, hey, I need I, I need to see 
so-and-so, she owes me money. Get the fuck out of my house. Seriously terrified. I think that, that, no, like, I'm so happy we're able to start to, like, I'm saving a space for this conversation because people don't realize, I think that's my biggest annoyance with the three of them, so my two step-siblings and my stepfather, I don't think they realize the things and the damages that they were doing long-term to other people. And I think so many people look at my life and are like, oh, you got a good, like, how did you get here? What did you do? Hard work and a lot of knocks. Yeah. And it was, but it was a lot of times of feeling like you have no control of your own life, Mm -hmm. your own safety, your own, like that was where I was saying in the last episode of how many times I was in some random man's apartment without even realizing what could have gone wrong at 10 years old. And that is terrifying to me. But like people wonder why I ended up with such a strong protective man. Well, because I was scared fucking shitless. Like I was so scared and I put so much into Raphael and I know so deeply that like he will never let that happen because Mm -hmm. I never want to feel like that again. And that is such a terrifying feeling of being at that point, technically a single mom and your own two children are in the house. You have those two children in the house and you're just like, figure it out. Like you just got to figure it out. But it's like, there's a random person in our house at 3am. Like that, that is something that like, if that were to happen in today's age, like, or in this household, you'd be dead. Like you, the cops would be here in a second. Like you would be in prison for that. I would never let that happen. Let me, let me be very clear on something though, because I want people to recognize that what she's saying about being in random people's apartments. And I I know she talked last week about, um, you know, doing, doing the piss test, um, for the sister. These are things that I didn't know. Yeah. 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 You were threatened. Yeah. You were threatened with bodily harm. Yeah. To not to be quiet. Yes. And I didn't know these things until after we left. And I didn't mean to leave that episode open like you knew any of that. I had absolutely no clue. And I... I I would think some stuff was funny. I was like, ah, I peed in a cup. Like, but I didn't realize what was going on at the time. So like, okay. Or the time that you got caught with them shoplifting when they were babysitting you. Oh, shit. Do you remember that? I do. Was it Ross? It was Bells. Bells. Yep. I was on my way there after work and the two friends that she was with got away with all of the goodies and she got caught with something. And let me tell you, I, I let them take her. I told them because they gave the cop gave me the option. He was like, you can take her home and deal with this on your own. I said, Nope. If she did this in front of these other two children and her friends did this and didn't get caught, she needs to spend a night in juvie. And she did. Damn. I don't remember her going to jail that night. She did. Crazy. Yep. But there was a lot of of times where you growing up should have been my priority. But because of the fact that you and your brother are, you had loving parents up here as well. I had a different support system. You had a different support system. And and I really tried my best to do the right thing for for this family by supporting her, um, giving her the tough love, um, trying every tactic that I knew because this was all brand new to me. Yeah. Um, and doing 
what I thought was right. Um, you were, you came out of the womb an old soul. You were always teaching people and helping people and doing things and, and being the stand-up person with a good conscience and good morals that I wanted to help her with. She started out that way. And then things started to degrade. And so once that started to happen, that was when I started to get hard on you. Yeah. And we fought. Um, because all of a sudden I was paying attention to you. She was mainly gone, but here you were. Um, I think addiction changes. It changes people. It changes families. It 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 is not an easy horse to ride at all. So I kind of want to dig into that. So now that we kind of got a lot of the storyline out of the way. And I hope I answered No, 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 you're enough. okay. I want to talk more from like your experience. So if there's another mom out there listening and is like going through this in today's age, I want to go back into like your mindset, not necessarily the exact, like her actual actions or what she was going through or what she was doing, but what were you going through? What did it look like when you first found out? What did it look like when you guys both came onto the same page? What did the fights look like? What did it look like to say, fuck this? I'm no longer doing soft love. It's tough love. What did it look like to ultimately you not necessarily like at the end of the day, your guys's marriage ended because clearly it wasn't meant to be because I feel like if it was, you guys would have maneuvered through that. But I really do feel like that was a main driving factor. You learned a lot about him in that mm-hmm. time frame of life too. And like his morals and his right. values. And, and ultimately it, it was a big deciding factor in a divorce. So like a marriage ending is huge. Like what was all of that? What was all of that like? And then also still having to be a mom to show up for your other two kids. You also were still a working citizen to show up to your job. You also were still a daughter with uh, (laughs) parents to deal with and a sibling with siblings. Like what was all of that like to hold that on your shoulders and to not internalize the guilt of like, I fucked her up because you, you didn't. Well, and I don't mean that an addict is fucked up and I don't, I don't mean in that sense, but like you're assuming that I don't, that I didn't hold guilt. No, I know you did. Uh, oh, completely. that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, what was that like to still show up with all that on your chest? Like, that's a heavy fucking chest, mom. It, it, I think that what we need to understand here is that I came. It, it, everybody here should know your father, Bill. Yeah. And what an amazing man he was. And I had left that relationship and moved back to Florida and was planning to spend one year, get my own apartment, spend one year single with you guys, just focusing this is on when I was like one. You were you were two. Two. Okay. So and this is late nineties. Yep. So I was planning to do that. I met him at work. He had two older children. We got along great. Um, had a blast. Took you guys to different like zoo and 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 the beaches and we just had fun and the kids loved you um it ended up where I moved in with him and because of an argument between myself and my father um and I moved in with him and started taking care of all four of you um I really truly at this point, after 15 years with the person who was my husband, I recognized that I was nothing more than a nanny with a marriage certificate 
Um, it, it, it was, when it came down to anything between his children and me, his children won, period. Yeah. Um, and in some situations, I do believe that's true. I sometimes I still to this day, I wish I could talk, call my daddy up and tell him there's, there's a lot of times you didn't pick us when you should have picked us. So I will, I'll be an advocate for both sides. It, it does happen. Um, what I, what I think I would realize, or pardon me, what I would think I would say to someone who is in a situation similar to mine, you're, you're with a man who's got kids, um, and, and you have your own children, um, it's all great and fine and dandy to be, <laughs> we used to call it Captain Save-A-Ho, um, <laughs> to, to, to be the, the savior, to be the person yeah. who is the rock. And you want to be that. But remember, your kids should come first. What if it is their kids? What is a mind, like that? What's something to like? If it is your child, the one thing that I learned was that you cannot stop someone from being an addict. You cannot stop them from doing what it is that they're doing to themselves. Boundaries. Boundaries was something that I needed 25 years ago and I didn't know what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries to say you're making that choice or you're doing this and it's doing X, Y, Z to me. And I cannot allow that to happen. If you, you know, and, and, and help them listen to them. Um, I think from her experience, from my experience with her, she never had anybody that she could really trust and count on. Yeah. And she was, beat down mentally emotionally uh, you know a, a very strong girl on the outside mm-hmm. but on the inside all she wanted was her mom mm-hmm. and her mom didn't want her mm-hmm. so it was that root do you think if we could go back do you think therapy would have helped her do you think at a young age she should have been in something to start mentally preparing her for I think with with that specific situation, we tried. We tried to get therapy started. Um, and it was negated by the father figure. Okay. Um, and by her. Um, Which have again, a, if, you're, if your parent is telling you this sucks, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And I've, I've had another scenario with an, another another person in therapy that we tried to get help and they lied to the therapist. Mm -hmm. If you're going to go to therapy and lie to the therapist, don't waste your time or the therapist time or your money. Quite honestly, if you're going to, if you're going to go to therapy, recognize, be open to it. There's, there's something that you can learn from it. A kid, I would have kept going. I would have kept him going. So she's referring to one of my brothers, um, m- or my brother. He mm-hmm. we we sent him as a child. You sent him as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he would lie in therapy. My th- thought is just keep him going. At one point, he's going to start 
fucking breaking down. The therapist told me there wasn't anything she could do if I he, he said, was lying. I happily we're finding a new one. And obviously, like, there's no right or wrong, but... I think, like, I do wonder, and I believe so heavily in mental health because clearly a lot of, a lot of addiction, almost, like, addiction is a mental health issue. Like, that is a real life thing where it's like, there's something mentally making you feel like you need a substance, you need a a new pair of shoes. A band-aid. Yes. You you need to, you need to, you need to, a soothing balm for your, for your wounds your yeah. your brain wounds your 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 emotional wounds it, it and i'm i'm one to say that i've done it yeah. i've yeah, I've, yeah. I've, we fill our holes with other things we definitely like, do and and that's where like i want to say like nobody's perfect no. obviously we are all human too that's the whole excuse me premise. i just burped that's the whole gist of life we all right. fuck up every single day we're not god no. um and it's just hard because it's like now as an adult and in the last episode I'd said I have so much grace now obviously situationally the things that she did I still believe she did with malicious intent addiction or no addiction because she just was angry at who we were and the relationship we had and and the strength that we had that she didn't and along those lines so like I still hold that. That's my problem. Where you yeah. maliciously are hurting people. She did a lot of this. In, I won't say a lot. She did a number of things intentionally. Yes. With or without her drug use. And that's mm-hmm. that's where I have a problem with her. Mm-hmm. That's where I say, mm, I don't care to hear your story anymore. Because with or without a needle in your arm, you still didn't like me because you just had your own life story that you didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with. And you just hated on other people mm-hmm. and I'm a kid like I rem- oh, I wanted to bring that up sorry I this is going a little bit back so there was a timeline where we were broke as a joke mm. like broke as a joke and w- she was getting bailed out of jail mm-hmm. how was that as a mom being like I can barely feed the kids that are in this household how do we have hundreds of thousands of hundreds and thousands of dollars, not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds and thousands. It was in the tens of thousands that I spent. I'm sure. And I've done the math. I've went through and done the math on bail money. (laughs) Oh, I did. I don't Me and my high school boyfriend at one point, we were like, so Uh what? Like, we were like, what? How are we broke? Like, there's no. Well, and and the thing is, I, I remember specifically it was father's day and she had been bailed out mm-hmm. and on my dime because we always kept separate finances so i was usually the one to bail her out because i had the extra money in the household but i was you guys i want her to do an episode of the storyline of their relationship it, it's fucking trippy and so it was father's day she had been bailed out the day before she was supposed to meet us for a family get together. It's Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, she ended up in some hole in the wall in downtown Clearwater, just not answering the phone. And we went and found her. How'd you find her? I don't remember. I sleuthing, snooping, yeah. text messages. I don't remember. Huh. Um, and her dad got her in the car and I told her flat out, I said, before we found her, I told her, you know, you need to be here 
or I will pull my bail money. I will, I will take you back to jail. And she called my bluff. Mm-hmm. And did he agree with that? He agreed with it until the time it came down to it. Yeah. And we drove around for a good two hours, allowing him to make up his mind. And I, with her in the car, and we were talking about it, and and she was screaming at us, and we were, it it was bad. Um, Was she high at the time? Yes. And we took her back to jail. We, We pulled the bail. And I will tell you that that was probably one of the hardest things that I have had ever done with that child yeah I'm sure both of you guys um and I I looked at him and I said I will forfeit every dime of this so that she learns we're serious and we did we took her back she served her her time I lost my money in that and it was after that they don't pay you back no they don't pay you back (laughs) you don't get a return nope (laughs) no receipt no return um so we she ended up serving her time if I remember correctly. And when she came home, that was when I, I believe that was the time that he found her with the needle in her arm. And it, that was right about the time that he was getting yeah. ready to leave. And you guys, it's such a, such a slippery subject because every relationship with addiction is situational. Yeah. Every relationship is situational every person like every single thing we're all individual you have your own story with her I have my own story with her but it's still the same person same thing with my dad's death like it's a different grief for every single person because every single person has a different relationship we all have our own brains we all have our own hearts whether we share the same blood or not my brain versus her brain interprets differently my heart and her heart feels differently and that's okay so I think the whole gist of all of it is dealing and watching addiction firsthand fucking sucks. That is, there is literally no better word to say other than it just sucks. You're watching someone that you love hurt themselves. Yes. And, and, it's, and not it's see. A, and, and yeah, they're, they're oblivious. Yeah. Some of them are oblivious. And you and I and Raphael were talking the other night, like I boil everything down to our own value of ourselves. And I've said this many times of like, if I were to be standing in front of two men, one man is, one man is telling me I'm gorgeous. I have this beautiful body. He wants to marry me. And this other man is saying, you suck. You have a flat ass. Like who would want to marry you? Like both of those words are going to be detrimental to me. But why am I putting my value into two men and two strangers? Why does my value lay in the hands of somebody else? Right. And I really, truly believe the world would be a better place if we set our own values. And if we said, I'm worth billions and billions of dollars. And I, I even say this of like, that means when you drive, you drive differently because you value your life. You value who you are. You want to go home. Like you drive differently. Right. How many times have you been on the road and it's just some lunatic just gone, wah, 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 because they don't give a fuck about their life, much less yours. Or yours much less yours. So it's like, I really think a lot of it stems with self-worth and putting the own value into your own life at a very young age and teaching your children at a very young age. You are so valuable. Don't let your friends tell you your value. Don't let these drugs tell you your value. Don't let a man tell you your value. Like 
I just really think it stems down into that. And it, I obviously I know that's a very like cliche, like I wish the world could just value themselves and life would be different. Who fucking knows? Like I'm not going to cure world hunger by valuing yourself. But I think a lot of it starts with that of like, she didn't see the value within herself because she put her value of herself in her mom's hands. Mm -hmm. And since my mom doesn't want me, I'm not enough and I'm not anything. And obviously I I understand as a five-year-old, it's very hard for a five-year-old's brain to be like, I'm valued. I'm loved. I'm supported elsewhere. Like it just, it's hard. It sucks. It's hard for everybody involved. I'm sure as the addicts themselves, one, they probably don't see the problem or two, again, they don't value their own life. So who cares if I'm high all day, every day, my job sucks anyways, who cares if I'm high and I lose it? Like, Oh, I know I just went on like a rampage of nothingness, but well, it's hard for everyone involved. This, this is for anybody who is listening or watching, this is my side of the story. Of my story. Yeah. And all I can do is hope and pray that you find some value in it. Um, and it helps you soothe you, direct you. Um, maybe you, maybe you are the addict watching this or listening to this. You are worth it. There are people out here who love you and care about you that you don't even know. And even if you don't have anybody... Love yourself enough. Yes. I think that's the other thing it, that goes right back into the very, value very conversation. True. Like value your and love yourself enough to be like, I don't want this for myself. Right. But if you have to put your love into other people and if you have to say, well, my mom hates this for me, that's why I want to stop by all means. Because you're right. There's so many people who love her. And, and want the best for her. And like I had said in the last episode, I don't know if you got to the point where like, I still don't think she's sober. I still don't believe that. I and don't either. It stinks because now she's got a baby involved. And it's like, again, you and I were just talking about if you don't solve it, your child's going to go through it. And if that child doesn't solve it, their child's going to go through it. Like, what is she teaching this baby girl of hers that like what her life is supposed to be? And what her value is as a little girl, like I pray, and obviously this is just from an outsider's perspective. I pray that that baby is getting love and support from somewhere. I'm sure it is. She is, but God, it just, it stinks. It stinks. Well, on the flip side, if, if you are the person who has an addict in your life that you're looking for some sort of advice or, or direction, from my experience, what I would have told my 25-year-old self is boundaries. Yeah. And when I say boundaries, it's that, it's in the, the I love myself enough to not allow this, this XYZ to hurt me, this person, this act, um, this, this behavior, um, you know, you have to do what's right for you in a, to, to be better, to be better equipped to support them. Yeah. If that makes sense. That was something I was talking with my therapist about of like boundaries are your own job. There's no work from anyone else needed. Right. It's yourself. So if you can't set a boundary, that's on you. You don't need a partnership in this. You don't need help from a friend. Like your boundary is up to you and it's the work. Nobody else needs to help. 
So your boundary is to say, you know what, like, and she explained it as a target, right? Like we're the store target. You can have open doors and you can be offering to a lot of people. And a lot of people can come in and they can get a banana from you. A lot of people can come in and they can get makeup from you. A lot of people can come in and grab shoes, whatever they need. Mm -hmm. But you still get to close at a certain time. Mm -hmm. I'll be open tomorrow. I'm going to turn off for tonight. You also still get to say, I want to volunteer and donate millions and millions of dollars here. But if someone steals a $7 piece of candy, you can still say you are no longer welcome in my store. Even though I have millions to donate where I choose, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you get to come in and steal some something from me. Yes. And I just have to say you ha- you're welcome to do that because why well, give to everyone else? Why can't I let the $7 candy go? Because it's, it's about having that door close and mm-hmm. saying like, no, if you're stealing and you're a thief, I can set the boundary of saying. It's a very good analogy. You are no longer welcome in my store. Right. Maybe one day you can grow up, you can serve your time and we can try this again. But for right now, you're no longer welcome in my store. Right. And that was such an eye opening message to me because I was like, you're right. I am a lot for a lot of people and I give to a lot of people and I have guilt. I feel such a guilt when I'm giving and someone's stealing from me and I'm like, hold on, why are you stealing from me? And I get offended. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why the fuck are you stealing from me? And my therapist is like, you're allowed to feel that because they are not entitled to what you have. You are not in, they're not entitled to just take. And that, that was where she really started to say that boundary of those target doors closing and you are now putting up no longer welcome in this store. And that analogy really helped me because I'm like, you're so right. And these people, people need to learn that like we can close our doors and it's Mm -hmm. okay to say, no, 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 no. You stole from me. I don't, I don't want to be your friend right now. You're not welcome here right now. Can we meet again when your time is served? Sure. But you get to decide. You're a target. You're the one convicting. Like how, or not convicting. You're the one. Yeah, you're convicting. You're setting Holding the sentence. Holding the person accountable. Yeah, you're the one setting the sentence. Right. How long is that sentence? It's up to you. Right. If someone stole a piece of candy from you, are you going to, is it death row? Who knows? But if somebody went into your target and burned down the whole fucking store and now you're having to put every single Rebuild. piece of yourself back together, you get to say, For a lifetime, I want nothing to do with you. You are banned from all targets for a lifetime. No matter how many I have to build in this lifetime, no matter how many target stores I got to keep putting up, my doors to you are closed for life. And I will not only that, I will call the police on you if you step foot on my premise. Like you are allowed to say that. And that's, uh, that was such a powerful message to me because I was just like, you're so right. It it makes a hundred percent sense to me. And it's something that I wish I had thought about mm-hmm. a long time ago because mm-hmm. I, I, I grew up without boundaries mm-hmm. mentally for yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of things that led to being where I was with this family. And I think that once I learned how to say no, yeah. that N-O is such a powerful statement and it's a full sentence. It is a full sentence. And I, my best friend taught me that. Mm-hmm. And it was while we were going through a lot of these things that my best friend taught me the word N-O. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed my life. I will say that. Um, you know, it, it, I, I realized that these people that I was supporting. Didn't support you. They didn't support me, but they also didn't deserve my support. Yeah. And that was that was a harsh reality for me because I had tried for so long 
to do what was right for them that I put myself and you guys on the back burner. And that's something that you can't get back is that time. Yeah. You know, yes, we have the experiences. Yes. We're hopefully able to help at least one person with this podcast. And, and I think that's just it is it's, we're not sitting here licensed therapists. We're not sitting here licensed, um, recovery psychiatrists. It's just more, you look at my life online and you say, Oh, Catherine's got such a cool life. You're right. You're right. I think my life is really cool, but I've been through a lot of things. I've sat in a lot of rooms. I've felt a lot of feelings that I never wanted to feel again. I never wanted to sit in again. I never wanted to repeat the history. So I did so much effort and work or put in so much effort and work to make sure that like I got out of that. And that's where I really do believe everybody has an out. Mm -hmm. You just have to one value yourself and say, I don't want this for myself anymore. I don't want, whether you're watching an addiction, whether you're anything you're going through or whether you're the addict, like no matter what it is, it's up to you to say, I don't want this anymore. Right. What's my next step? And my experiences and my opinions put out here on this platform are what have led me to feeling better about myself. I'm doing for me now. Mm -hmm. She's doing for her, whether it's right or wrong. I'm not the judge of that in any way, shape or form. But I, I know she still thinks of me. And I hope that it's with love and and respect but if it's not yeah that's on her as well yeah yeah parts of me is like I hope she knows and that was where I had said in the last episode of like I do give grace I have forgiveness for the situation now as an adult and I do hope she knows that if god forbid she ever listens to any of this like it's never coming from a space of like we can't wait to talk on your name yeah no but it's more just like Again, there's how many people are out there going through this? And I hope she does know from from a perspective of still like, I still want more for her. To this day, to the day I die, I still want more for her. And I still want, and I'm sure everyone can say that about any addiction that they're dealing with or whatever they're going through. You want more for these people. And, and I really still to this day, like I still have a mindset of like, she was so strong in my eyes. She was before all this happened. And, and I really do believe she's still alive to my knowledge to this day because of that strength. She's got that strength within herself and she doesn't have the confidence in yes, herself. Yes. And I'm or the praying, respect for herself. I'm praying that one day her light switches and she wants more for herself and she realizes the strength that's within her can get her through this um, and can get her to maybe one day be talking about it and saying like, I've been through some shit. And you maybe, maybe at this point, because we're not yeah, in her day to day, maybe she has. You're right. And, you know, maybe, maybe these are all experiences for her past obviously it's her past but you know hopefully the experiences for her past can help others from her perspective as well yeah um because going through it and I think exactly like what you said we're not we're sharing this because this is something that we've gone through this was part of our life story and I think a lot of times when people share their life story and it has a lot to do with somebody else it's like how dare you speak on my name like like a, a lot of my dad's death stuff 
and the family was like, how dare you share the, the stuff that's happening? And it's like, because it's part of my story and it's something that I'm going through. And it's something that I've gone through where I have a different lens now where I can share with people and say, you're not alone. Right. You're not alone. Um, there is no shade meant to be thrown in any way, shape or form towards any one of the family members, not a single one. Um, you know, they, they, are making their own decisions and living their own life. And we wish you well. We do. So but I'm proud of you. I'm proud of, um, I know this is like obviously like a touchy subject for a lot of people to talk about. We've never really sat down and talked to this level of like things that have happened. And there's so much water under the bridge. Who cares? Like let bygones be bygones. I don't need to go rehash all the traumas that have happened in that household. But it's more just like, I'm proud of us for getting out. I'm proud of us for being different. I'm proud of us for still being, for being able to speak to this in such a, healed manner like a lot of people don't get to say that Mm -mm. and a lot of people don't get to sit here and say I still wish you well there's so many people that are like I'm going to make it my life mission to make sure you serve your life sentence and it's like what the fuck does that even mean like just move on it's in it's our it's again up to us it's our responsibility to handle our own boundaries our own healing and go from there no experiences are best when shared in my opinion whether they're positive or negative it, it you know I, I remember being in high school and one of my best friend's parents was talking to us and asking about our college I think I was a senior in high school and her her kids were a year or two behind me and we were all hanging out and they were talking about their college majors and where they were going and I, I got asked what where which college I was going to and I said I don't want to go to college I want to be a mom I want to I didn't know that. I, I want to be a mom. And, and we talked about, you know, raising kids. And, and I told them this person that I wanted to, I wanted to be the mom that, you know, if, if I can help one person, um, you know, whether it's, it's with school or, yeah. you know, anything, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. A- and to me, being open and honest was the f- first step to that. You're and, 100% where I got that from. Mm-hmm. And exactly like what I said, where there's not unhe- when there's unhealed traumas, it passes on. I also feel like when there's un when there's not fulfilled missions, mm-hmm. those get passed on. Mm-hmm. And something that burns so deeply in my heart is stuff that you've instilled in me of like you've always again going back and full circling this conversation you've always been the open door. I will hold you accountable, yes. but I will also be your safe space. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what I want this lifetime of my life mission to be. I want to have a safe space for everybody and anybody, no matter what color, no matter what sexuality, no matter what anything you come from or who you are, you have a story to tell Mm -hmm. and you're not alone in that. Mm -hmm. Um, With no judgment. Will you get a real feedback? Absolutely. But there's no judgment sitting next to you or not in you, but in general, whomever. Um, So I'm thankful that that was instilled within me because you've obviously made up a lot of who I am today. And, and my dad was obviously a lot of who I am today. And, and it's so funny because I think I was raised in such a, you guys have like my, my brain mindset, but my dad made up a lot of my personality mindset, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Where like you guys have shown me what real life was and like how to maneuver through it and how to be a better person and how to logically, like obviously you're a very emotional mindset, but I think you, you channeled and encouraged a logical mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my personality is, is I, I actually feel like I have more dad's personality than I did 
like your personality in a sense. Like I feel like I have the more like, <laughs> um, but it was such a fine mixture of both. And I'm, I'm proud to be your guys's kid. I'm proud to go on forward and knowing your guys's mind and your heart and being able to fulfill it for the both of you. Obviously his legacy is now in my hands and my brother's hands. And, and I want to honor that. So it's so cool to be able to do this too with you in real life and you being like, cool, like you're fulfilling things that I wish I could have. Um, but it didn't, it didn't just like come to me one day where I woke up and was like, I want to change lives. It was like, this has been planted in each level of my life. And that was due to you guys of saying, we're going to grow this to be a big flower one day. Like there's so many parents out there that don't, um, start seeds early on. And you guys were very good at that. I think that makes me very happy to hear. I, I not had you tell me that before and I'm, I'm proud, um, that I've shaped such an amazing human, uh, helped shape such an amazing human. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, talking about this and, and being on these couch conversations with you, um, I think they've helped strengthen our relationship and see things from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that regardless of what brought us here, I wouldn't, as bad as some people could say they were, or as would I change any of it? If I knew that it would change this moment in time, no, no, I wouldn't change it. I agree. I'm on your side there. Um, was it hard? Hell yeah. yeah. Was it was it terrifying at times? Hell yeah. yeah. Was it you know em- emotional and and guilt ridden? Yep. But there was also a lot of good too. Yeah. There's a lot of regrets, but it's that's you got to just say. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, and I say this all the time, our realtor in Texas, she said this, when you're, what is it? When you're like weaving a rug, right? Mm -hmm. On the backside where you're weaving it, it's just a bunch of little clusters that Mm -hmm. don't make fucking sense. Right. But when you turn it over, it's this beautiful canvas of such a beautiful picture. And you're like, and you flip it back over and you look at all those clusters. You're like, oh, these are cool. (laughs) Like, look at what all this makes up, you know, like what a beautiful photo or a beautiful rug or whatever the case may be and when you flip it and you look at the clusters again you have so much grace for them and you have such an understanding for them and you're thankful for them because those clusters led to a beautiful photo correct and that that was another analogy that changed my life of like well looking back I'm like that was a cluster in time that was a cluster of fucks and you're like damn but it's led me to here yep it's made me be who I am it's I am who I am and that cluster meant something and that cluster you, added to this. You are that beautiful rug and our experiences that we've talked about are the knots behind it. Yeah. So you're allowing people to see the behind the scenes mm-hmm. with conversations like this in order to facilitate the conversation, hopefully with others and help them see that they're not alone yeah they're they're the back of their rug that they think is really messy and ugly it's there's beauty to it as well yeah I also we've said this before on episodes together of like your parents are still people too like they you're this is your first day of today mm-hmm. ever and we're, we're all just doing our best to have that grace too for your parents to understand that that forgiveness level and that came losing my dad. Like I didn't have that grace for you guys. I had such a high standard because you just, your parents know it all. They tell you everything and, and they, 
they want you to be perfect. So you want them to be perfect. And it's just not like that. And losing him really changed my mindset of like, he was just a normal human being that. Yeah. And like yesterday I found a birthday card where it was my 18th birthday and he was like, happy 18th birthday. Can't wait for the next 18. And that really fucked me up because I'm like, yeah, it did. he didn't get that next 18. And that's such a mind altering losing him was such a mind altering thing for me of like, you really truly are never pro- promised another day. Mm-mm. And you really are just doing your best and you're looking forward to tomorrow just as much as I am, you know? Um, so that grace and that forgiveness for really everybody is so important. And again, I can still have that grace and forgiveness for the people who are stealing my $7 candy bars, but you are still no longer welcome in my right store. So I want to, I want to point out one thing you, you said that, and I, and I know you were just explaining, um, I never wanted you to be perfect. I wanted you to be better than me. Right, right. And as a parent, I think that's where if you're expecting perfection from your children or you're expecting, you know, carbon copies. Or anything, whatever you want from them. Just let them be humans. Allow them to come to you. Allow them to talk to you. Allow that safe and open space. How many times did we have... What, what I, I ended up having temporary custody of two other kids whose mother was an addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had people living with us off and on throughout because our house was a safe space. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want people to go through what I'd gone through, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that you're doing a hell of a job and I hope that we've helped someone out there today. <sighs> what an episode y'all. What a day. I still need to get to the nail salon. Happy Monday. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will see you guys next week. I know there was a, I actually had a questionnaire out there. And then also I've went through my email and there is a ton of email submissions as well. So I wanted to do that with you, but our time, we've literally spent this whole time chit chatting. Um, So next week episode will be all of that. So I'm sorry if you were coming and tuning in for that. I definitely feel like this was necessary and needed. That's why I didn't want to cut it um, to answer some of the questions. So I will make that its own episode. So we will see you next week. Again, if you are going through addiction, you're watching it, anything. And that could mean alcohol. That could mean shopping, gambling, any sort of addiction. um, Just know you're not alone in that space. And... (sighs) We'll see you next week. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Again.